This is going to be one of those interesting shows that I can't wait to get started. It has been a tumultuous weekend as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, getting things underway for this 2020 season. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, where we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And alongside is the resident Reds expert from here in Cincinnati, Blake Watson. Mr. Watson, how are you this evening? I'm pretty whooped, Dave. We just had this conversation before we jumped on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pooped. We had a long weekend at the lake and trying to get our property ready to where I don't have to work on it every time I go up. So that will never busy, happen. Busy weekend. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You'll always have something to do up there. You know, I mean, that's how it is, isn't it? Absolutely. That's just kind of the way of the beast of owning property, even when you're a homeowner. It's just yeah. the way it goes. Absolutely. Well, before we get into this entire situation with Major League Baseball and what the heck is going on with that, the draft was held this past week. It was just five rounds this year. And it was, you know, I can anticipate, Blake, that there's going to be a lot of mistakes made by a lot of Major League Baseball teams in these these five rounds because – the players that they have drafted, they haven't seen play in over a year. Yeah, that definitely makes it an interesting dynamic. Um, I know that the Reds were uh, – they drafted Austin Hendricks, and they talked about they were pretty happy with what they saw, you know, a year ago. But who knows what would have happened during his senior year and senior summer baseball season. Um, it, it's just – you know, another one of those boxes we can check that, you know, you remember where you were when the baseball draft went to five rounds and nobody had a clue who they were picking. Yep. Well, uh, Austin Hendrick, as you said, was the Reds' number one pick this year out of West Allegheny Oakdale High School in Pennsylvania. He was the 12th overall selection in the first round. And really, you've got no stats on this guy. He's a high school baseball player. And like we said, nobody played baseball almost through the entire nation this past season, so you've got to go back a year where he was a junior to pick up anything about him. But from what I understand, like you said, the Reds are extremely happy over picking up this outfielder. Yeah, they, they he has a, from what I understand, a real plus power bat. Um, he played center field in high school. He won't play center field in pros. He's a corner outfielder. Um, but they say they say the kid can really hit. He was one of the maybe the top high school bat in the draft. So. Um, they are very excited to have him, and there's just so much less that with the baseball draft. It's just it's hard to get as excited about the baseball draft as it is as almost any other sport. Yeah, just based on timelines. And I mean, Austin Hendricks is you know 17, 18 years old. I'm not gonna see that kid in a big league uniform for four or five years. So you kind of lose track of who they are before they get there. Um, Yep. I was I was surprised you saw as many high school kids drafted as you did. I thought there'd be a lot more college guys earlier just based on the fact that there's more of a track record of proven ability to play the game of baseball. Um so a lot of guys they were drafted on promise instead of what they actually are. Just kind of the way it always is realistically. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised at that too. Hendricks is six feet one inches tall, Blake. He throws left, bats left. Like you said, he's a center fielder in high school, but as he's not going to play there. Now, the pick value for the signing bonus that he should get is going to be somewhere in the area of 
million dollars. Imagine walking out of high school and getting a four point three million dollar check right off the bat. That that's something right there. Another guy that the, the Reds picked up in the second round, uh, which was still day one with the forty eighth pick, was Christian Roa. Now Roa's out of Texas A and M. He came out of college, Blake. He's a fourth year junior and he's a right handed pitcher, six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. And they're excited about him, too. They think he brings a lot of potential to this rotation. Yeah, I think they definitely see him as a starting pitcher, not a reliever. Um, typically, you don't take guys that high in the draft if you don't think they can start. Um, I don't know a ton about him, but I know that he, I mean, he played in a very good program. Texas a and one of the best in the country, and he was their ace. Yeah. Um I think he's obviously, you know, a lot closer to being able to help at the big league level than Hendricks is, just based on age and, you know, growth and things like that. And it's always a little quicker for pitchers to get to the bigs than it is anybody else. Right. Because you can throw you can throw really hard, it just figures itself out. They find a spot for you to pitch. Well, like you said, the difference is age. Hendricks is nineteen, whereas Roa right now is 21 years old. Rounding out the the rest of the draft picks for the Reds, they picked up uh, out of the supplemental draft, uh, the 65th pick was Jackson Miller out of Mitchell High School in Florida. He's a catcher, and he was a senior. Another uh, Texas Tech individual, Texas individual out of Texas Tech this time, is Bryce Bonin. Now, Bonin was the 84th selection. He's a pitcher, a right-hander. Out of St. Edwards High School up in Cleveland, Mac Wainwright is going to go to the Reds with the 113th pick. He's an outfielder, bats right, throws right. He's a high school senior. And then a fourth-year junior out of Notre Dame is Joe Boyle. He came in with the 143rd pick in the country. Actually, the the only player, Blake, that the Reds drafted that was below the ranking that they were supposed to be at was Hendrick. Uh, Hendrick came in, he picked was picked 12th, and he was ranked 13th among the players coming out this year. Interesting little well, stat there. And if you talk to the Reds, if you hear the, what the Reds said after the draft, they had a, actually had him on their board a lot higher than 12th. Um, they thought he would be gone by then. So you know how prognosticators do it. They just it's all a crapshoot anyway. Yeah. There's a group of ten to fifteen guys that they know are high to high to mid first rounders and they rank them whatever order they want. Um it's not often that there's a clear cut, you know, line between guys. Um but yeah, from what all all experts I've seen since then said the Reds had a really good draft. The difference is now the draft starts now. Um, because with the, the move to the only five rounds and everybody else being a free agent, basically, um, that, that puts a lot more onus on signing these guys afterwards. Oh, yeah. For markets like the Reds and even Cleveland, that's going to be a tricky situation because if, regardless of what your, you know, your projections are, if you're, would have been a six rounder, you can sign with the Yankees or the Reds for the exact same amount of money. What do you, where are you going to go? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's one thing about this new system that I don't think they, they probably thought about it. They think about everything, but was never really talked about publicly is what this could do as far as more competitive imbalance in baseball, which we know has been there forever. Um, 
or small market teams. I mean, who's going to choose to go to the Tampa Bay Rays if other teams are offering you a contract? Right. Not a lot of people. Right. Um, if the Dodgers are offering you $5 million and the, the, the Rays are offering you $5 million, you're going to the Dodgers. Right. Absolutely. That's just the fact of what it is. I mean, yeah. You and I, you and I would do the exact same thing and those kids are going to do the exact same thing. So, you know, every one of those kids that's a borderline fifth round pick is going to end up in a bigger market, most likely. Yep. Well, when you look at the breakdown of what the Reds did, and then we'll get to the Indians, out of the six the six picks that the Reds had, they took three pitchers, a catcher, and two outfielders. Now, on the other side of the coin, for the Indians, this is interesting. Out of their six picks, they also took three pitchers, but they took two shortstops and an outfielder. Now, normally when you play shortstop at the high school level, as you know, Blake, that means you're the best athlete on the team and they put you at shortstop automatically. That does not mean you're going to play shortstop at the major league level. But what's interesting about this is the Indians' first pick with the 23rd selection in the first round was Carson Tucker out of Mountain Point High School in Arizona. They are comparing this 6'2", 180-pound high school senior to Francisco Lindor. And a lot of people are saying he is the heir apparent to Lindor now seeing that Lindor is probably going to be moving on after this season, uh, depending upon what happens with this season. He's got one year left on his contract, and and that'll be it for Lindor. So the the way that the, the Indians went about everything was totally different, trying to stay in contention for years to come, than basically what the Reds did with trying to replenish their farm system. Yeah, I think... Anytime you're looking at a high school kid to be the one to replace one of the best players in baseball, that's a mistake. Um, you don't have a clue. I mean, there are way more busts in, out of the MLB draft than any other sport out there. It's such an imperfect science because you go watch a kid play, you don't know the competition he's playing, you're projecting him based on measurables. And, you know, we've got, I've got a kid that I coach in the summer, his exit velocity is the highest on the team. And based on that, you would think he's got a shot to play college ball, but he can't hit anything with a wrinkle on it. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Like, I don't care how hard you hit it if you can't hit it. Um, it's just such a, such an inexact science. And, um, it's like the scene in Moneyball. I don't know if you, you probably watched the movie oh, yeah. where oh, yeah. the Billy Bean's talking to the scouts. He said, you look at a kid and you say, well, no, it's your kid. And when I know, I know. And you don't. No. Nobody does. You have no clue. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to put any kind of those expectations on a, on a, uh, you know, an 18 year old kid to be the next Francisco Lindor. It's, it's not fair to that kid. It's not fair to the organization. It's not fair to the fan base. I just think it's a big mistake. Well, and, and it, I'm going to use pitching as an example. Years ago, Scouts used to look at pitchers to see what their location was and if they were able to put the ball where they wanted it. Nowadays, Blake, if a pitcher can't throw over 90 miles an hour, they just discard him and throw him off to the side. In reality, it's like 94. Yeah. Um, The only thing that matters for pitchers is a radar gun. That is absolutely correct. 
Yeah, and it's really funny. Now, as far as the Indians draft was concerned, we told you Carson Tucker was the number one pick. The second round pick for the Indians was Tanner Burns. He was the 36th overall pick. He came out of Auburn, Alabama. He's a fourth-year junior, a right-handed pitcher, six feet, 215 pounds, and I'll tell you what, he comes in at 22 years old. Logan Allen. Now, this is going to cause a lot of confusion for Indian fans because they've already got a relief pitcher named Logan Allen, and now they've got another pitcher that is going to throw left-handed by the name of Logan Allen out of Florida International University, 6 feet, 180 pounds. He was the 56th overall pick. In the third round, the Indians picked Petey Halpin. He's from Miracosta High School in California. He's a, a right-handed outfielder, and he was a high school senior. Also a high school senior with the 124th pick, the Indians took Milan Tolentino out of Santa Margarita High School in California. He's another shortstop. And from Vanderbilt, Mason Hickman was the Indians' 154th pick in the first round, overall pick in the fifth round. He's a fourth-year junior out of Vanderbilt. He's another pitcher, 6'6", 230 pounds, Blake. I don't know what he's throwing on the radar gun, but this guy's going to look imposing on the mound. Sounds like a relief pitcher to me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big guy in drafting arms. Like I would love, I wouldn't be opposed to when there was 40 rounds of MLB draft, the Reds to draft 40 pitchers and figure everything else out. Um, because you can never have too many arms. No, I agree with you there. I also like the idea of the Indians drafting two shortstops because, like you said, the shortstop, especially on a high school team, and even when you get into college, you're the best athletes on the team. So that shortstop can likely play anywhere on the diamond. Yeah. Um, so you mean you don't know how many times you draft a shortstop and you don't know where he's going to end up and play. Well, one I mean, of the- look, the Reds drafted Nick Senzel as a third baseman, and now he plays center field. Yeah. One of the Indians announcers, Rick Manning, was drafted as a shortstop. He ended up as center fielder. So, you know. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that happened, that happens all the time. Like we said, high school players, they normally take their best athlete and put them at shortstop. Uh, I know a kid that, that played, uh, high school baseball for a state runner-up baseball team in Waynedale High School that was the shortstop. He ended up playing left field in college. So, you know, it just happens that way. That's, that's the way it goes. The Reds drafted Billy Hamilton as a shortstop, and he's the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. Perfect example. Boy, you and I would have some really, really interesting discussion. We, you know, we ought to do that sometime coming up. The best defensive players we've ever seen, because uh, you, you bring up you bring up Joe Morgan a couple of times, and now Billy Hamilton, and and uh, we'll, we'll do that here coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay. So, sounds good to me. All right, now. Feel free to interrupt me at any time because you know how I get when I get on a tangent. (laughs) But this negotiation, these negotiations, Blake, between Major League Baseball, the owners, and the players is going from the ridiculous to the sublime. I was complete, I'm not bad at math. Okay. I'm not bad at economics, but I really had to delve into this thing this weekend to figure out just where the players were coming from. Let's tell you where everything stands right now. The owners on Saturday gave the players an ultimatum that they were going to call for a 72-game season 
And that would guarantee the players 70% of their prorated salaries for the regular season. That's what you've got to keep in mind here. The owners are guaranteeing 70% of the prorated salaries for the regular season. That's what a lot of people aren't realizing. That number could grow to 83% if the postseason is completed. In other words, what the owners are saying is, if this COVID-19 starts coming out again, and it, it starts picking on everybody, and they can't complete the season because they've got to shut down things, then the players would only be guaranteed 70% of their their prorated salaries. But if they do finish the season, as far as the postseason is concerned, they would get 83%. Now, the union has asserted since the beginning it's not willing to back off their March 26th agreement that guaranteed the players full prorated salaries based on the number of games played. The owners argue that additional pay cuts are necessary due to the lack of revenue if the games are played without fans, which is what they're planning on doing. So let me explain this as easily as I can. What would you say right now? Would you say I'm off base, Blake, by saying that the average Major League Baseball salary is close to $20 million a year? Uh, I have no idea where even uses a frame of reference for that. Okay, so let, let's just say, let's say it's 10 million a year. Alright, just for easy math. Now, 72 games of 162 comes out to 44%. What the owners are saying is, the prorated salary at that point in time for a Major League Baseball player making $10 million a year at 44% would be $4.4 million. Plain and simple. That's just easy math. Okay? That's correct. Now, what they're saying is, is that they will give them 70% of the prorated salary based upon them playing that 72 game regular season and the postseason being completed. So 70% of $4.4 million comes out to almost $3 million. So that's what they would get for the season if they're averaging $10 million. Now you could double it at $20 million. You could triple it at $30 million. It just makes easy math. Okay? Now, Blake, I'm, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Okay? Because you are the epitome of what, a, what is happening with a lot of people out there right now. You're working at home. You're still drawing your complete salary. Okay? But it's nothing compared to $10 million a year, right? That's correct. Okay. But you're still working at the full-time level, correct? That is also correct. Okay. What are the players doing right now? Sitting on their asses. Pardon me? Sitting on their asses. Yes. Absolutely. They're doing nothing. And they're still drawing a salary. Okay? Now, there are several other people out there that are unemployed, aren't working can't find work, have been shut down, have to rely upon other ways of means to, to get their bills fulfilled, waiting on the government to pass another stimulus package, all this, that, and the other stuff. Meanwhile, the baseball players are out there doing nothing and waiting for this and arguing over $3 million if their average salary is $10 million a year. Blake, what I'm saying is, is that baseball had a golden opportunity here, a golden opportunity to seize the day. They could have walked in on their white horses with their white cowboy hats and their white vests 
and their knickers and everything else, their chaps and everything else on the horses, rode in and saved the day for the American public by bringing baseball back, and they're arguing over piddly amounts of money compared to them when we're looking at people out there that are struggling to make a living on their everyday wage. Without a doubt. it's You're, you're not wrong at all. I will take a little bit of the other side, and you know I was strongly against the players the last few times we've talked about this. But something came out, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, that's kind of turned my head a little bit the other way. Might be the same thing that I'm thinking. Go ahead. All this time that they're negotiating pennies on the dollar, and it's not pennies on the dollar, but they're negotiating a smaller sum. Major League Baseball is in the middle of negotiating with Turner Broadcasting for a billion-dollar TV broadcasting deal. Yes. One billion dollars. And they knew they were doing that and still were trying to shortchange the players. Now, I don't think that takes the onus off the players. But I think that helps their cause a little bit. Um, it, to me, if I was sitting at that negotiating table, I would jump up from it, scream a couple profanities, and accuse the other side of negotiating in bad faith. Because I really believe they were. Um, Major League Baseball knew that money was coming, and they did not include the players in it. Yes. And that was the other part of the coin, that, you, and I'm glad you brought that up that that was just announced that TNT and TBS have reached that new billion-dollar agreement to continue broadcasting postseason games and Sunday afternoon baseball on TNT and TBS. Now, that being said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But the owners are taking a hit here. The player, the players don't want to take a hit. They, they're taking a hit. I will say that. Okay, they're taking a hit by agreeing to have their salaries prorated as far as the regular season goes. Now, if you take that into consideration, Blake, then that means that the owners would be better off implementing the 48 game season, which everybody thinks that Rob Manfred is going to do probably as late as early as tomorrow. Just institute a 48 game regular season instead of the 72 game season because simply as a matter of fact, both of these, you know, the owners are going to lose more money under a 72 game season than they are a 48 game season. And the players. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see the 48 game schedule. I think Manfred's going to mandate it. Um, and then I think the players are going to fight it. Uh, I think the players are going to fight, especially I, th- I think you'll see some big memes not not show up. Um, I think guys that can afford to never play a baseball game if they really wanted to might take that stand, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to remember that the owners are taking a hit in parking revenue concessions because they're going to be playing these games without anybody in the stands supposedly that that's the way everything is at the beginning of this entire endeavor there'll be no players in the stands at all every game now the other thing i've got a problem with the owners on i've got a problem with the owners on this um all of these games are going to be played but they're going to keep the blackout rules in effect 
for televising these games. In other words, if you're in Chicago and you can't go to the game, the Cubs game is not going to be televised in Chicago if the Cubs are at home, which is crazy beyond belief in my mind. I think if the owners, the owners have got to turn around and say, wait a minute, that's not right. We're going to go ahead and broadcast every game. No, Where did you read this? That was part because of the, that was part of what Trevor Bauer was upset about. I don't think baseball doesn't even have a blackout rule anymore. Um, well, if you've got major, if you've got the major league package, you can watch them. Okay, if the game if the game has got a numerous amount of tickets, you could still watch it. The the, the rule Ticket is sold. if you the the no. Because then the Reds would have been on TV at all the last two years, and they're on TV every game for Fox Sports Ohio. Right. If you pay, if you pay for MLB.tv and you live in the 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 area that it's being broadcast on regular television, it doesn't show up on your app. That is correct. Right. Um, but it still shows up on regular television. That's been the that's always been the case. I think it's ridiculous. So you can't like you can't be streaming it while you're out and about or whatever because it's on TV. But I mean that's not really a rule change necessarily. It's keeping something they've always kind of had. Well, I don't like it, but I don't see that if that's a deal breaker. Trevor Bauer's an idiot. Well, and and that's well, part of it. There's I no just, extra revenue in that. I just think that's something that the owners could do for the fans. I think that's one of the things that the owners could do for the fans is just open it up to everybody. And let well, everybody watch. I think it, I actually think it's smart business because they charge for that. Yeah. Um, you have to pay to have MLB.tv and watch those games on, on, you know, devices to watch out of markets and listen out on market broadcasts. And if you do that, then you're going to get more people to pay for it. Like more people are going to watch. Like I don't have cable in my house, but if I can pay, you know, eight bucks a month and watch every red game, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You and me both. Um, Right, like, and and then I can watch every out of market game too for that same price. Yeah, that's I think it's smart, actually smart business to do that. But as for I don't think it's really a, a bad thing that they're not. You know what I'm saying? Personally, I just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't I don't know, and, and I'm getting to the point right now, Blake, where I don't even think the players would would meet them in the middle. As far no, as I don't. As, as I think as the, the thing that drives are. me nuts. Yeah, I think the thing that drives me nuts is the owners have at least made concessions. They've come back with better offers every time, and the players are sticking to not making concessions. Right. And they need, for lack of a better way to put this, they need to shut the hell up and say the hell off of Twitter. Um, yeah. Because it's it's – that's another form of negotiating in bad faith, negotiating in the public eye. And that's not the way it's supposed to be handled. These things are supposed to be handled behind closed doors, without the pulp. Like it's, it's supposed to be quiet. In reality, it shouldn't be going on at all. They should just figure it the hell out and play baseball. Um, just some of the ridiculous comments that have come from people. I still go, I always go back to that one from Blake Snell where he's oh. not going out there for his whole salary. Why would he risk his life? Dude, you're throwing a baseball. Stop. Yeah. Like, just stop. You're not, you're not risking your, it'd be different if, you know, come in and somebody come in and said the military's got to take a pay cut this year because of coronavirus. But it's just ridiculous. They're, they're just so out of touch with the reality. That's the way I keep framing it. That's the way I feel. Both sides are completely out of touch with you and I, and we are their consumer. 
We are the people that go to ball games. We are the people that spend money there. We are the people that watch. I watch a portion of almost every single Reds game that's on TV. Um, that's just, I'm the one that they advertise to. It's, it's bad. It's just bad. They, they have really, really, really mucked this thing up. I, I want to ask you this question and see where you stand on it. I am almost of the opinion. They have gotten me so sick of this right now, Blake, that I don't care if they come back now. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I would love for them to. And I was really excited for baseball because the Reds did a lot. Right now, I don't care. <laughs> um, right now, if there was a NASCAR game, NASCAR race on and a baseball game, I'm probably watching the NASCAR race. And I'm not really a NASCAR fan. Just because they've done things right since they came back. Um, it's, it's just, it's bad, man. It's a really bad scenario when they're turning people like you and I off who are die hard baseball people. Yeah. Then they're really screwing up. Like that's just, they're, it's, it's lost. Like, I mean, I was at the absolute height of my baseball fandom during 1998 home run race. And I didn't watch the ESPN 30 for 30 last night. Didn't care. I didn't watch it. Like, I should have been locked in, glued to my television to watch that. And I didn't really care. Yeah, I I didn't watch it either because I'm to the point, Blake, where I I am with the sign stealing. As, and I'm going to go back to what my, what our former co-host Mark Donahue said and see how you agree with this. Um, as far as the steroid era is concerned, I could care less. I, I really could because you've still got to hit the baseball. You've still got to throw the baseball. Yeah, you're more bulked up. I get that. But the owners were responsible for it, too, from two points. First of all, they let them get away with it. And secondly, they built band boxes for stadiums. They celebrated it. Yeah. They the the 98 home run race is now a black stain on our on baseball's history but it's what saved the game like i mean there was all sorts i remember the old commercials the chicks dig the long ball or whatever and even had pitchers doing that like greg maddox was on one of those chicks dig the long ball commercials trying to hit home runs yeah it's it, it, it's a lot like tearing down you know these these Confederate uh, statues and stuff right now. It's like, just because you tear it down, the history doesn't go away. Just because you, you know, you talk bad about steroids now doesn't mean what happened didn't happen. It happened. Like, it happened. You celebrated it. We all loved it. Now we want to complain about it. Yeah. But they also, nobody ever really talks about the pitchers that were on steroids, right? If pitchers are on steroids, then... Watching the hitter be on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the point is, okay, what are steroids designed to do? Enhance your performance, correct? Well, a lot of the guys, and if you talk to a lot of them, a lot of them used it as um, a recovery tool for exactly. when you get hurt. Yes. Yes. It, it, you return to the field quicker, You get, and you do get stronger, and you do get bigger, and you do get faster. Then but what, in reality, then what is the difference between Tommy John surgery and steroids? Yeah, absolutely. It's just like the the idea of you know medical marijuana is proven at this point. 
Yeah. But people still want to complain about it because it has a bad stigma. It's, it's a fact. It helps. Oh. Yeah. I, 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 my, I don't know, man. You're, you're, it's, you're taking a tendon from another part of your body, implementing it into the part of the body that is not designed to be there for, but is using it there for strictly pitching purposes only because it's been proven that that ulnar nerve does not inhibit you from doing anything else other than throwing the baseball. So what's right. the difference between that and a steroid? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong. I am not saying everybody go out and get on steroids, but as far as that is concerned, boy, oh boy, you know, there, there are some things. I mean, you talk about some of the football players, Blake, that have taken, for example, the Indianapolis Colt. I can't remember his name, but he was taking fertility drugs in order for he and his wife to be able to have a family. And the NFL suspended him for four days because it inadvertently had something in it that was supposed to be a, uh, what are you doing? Laundry? No, sir. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you. Um, but I mean, he was doing, he was taking a, a drug that had something on the banned performance list that he didn't know anything about. That was prescribed by a doctor, exactly. right? Exactly, yes. Uh, my, my problem, the biggest problem I have with it is that we vilify all these guys after the fact. And it's, I remember I had a coach in high school with one of my summer ball teams, one of my higher level summer ball teams that had played up to AAA, got a cup of coffee in the bigs. And he openly talked to us about it. He said, I took steroids. And I said, he basically said, you know, if you're sitting in the minor leagues making 400 bucks a month and somebody says, shoot this shot in your ass and you can make $4 million a year. Who's going to say no? Who's going to, nobody, everyone's going to do that. Like if you can go from being a bad, an average minor league player to being an all-star caliber big leaguer. And that's what they thought. Yeah. Everyone does it. Yep. Everyone. I do it. You do it. Everybody I know would say, you give me the damn shot. Let's go. Like I'm trying to go hit home runs in Chase Stadium. Yeah. Blake, I'm five. Instead seven. of tooling around a Durham. I'm, I'm five seven on a good day. I'd have taken steroids to be six feet. So. Yeah, I probably would too. You know, I mean, so, I mean, that, that's the case of it. But back to the baseball part of it. I mean. I hit like I was seven foot two though. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You know, I'm, I'm glad, hit, I'm glad man. you can hit those can, high, those high fastballs. I, I can really hit Dave. <laughs> um, I mean, you go back to this. I'm going to ask you. I, I've asked you this every week. I'm going to ask again this week, but I'm going to answer it first. I don't, I think we're going to see baseball. But it, it's going to be a very watered-down version of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be the 48 games that Manfred's been saying that he's going to implement. I don't think there's a way they don't get that done. Um, I don't think there's a way they avoid that being the case, basically. I don't think there's a way they come to a conclusion where they're all in agreement that this is what we're going to do. It's going to have to be the commissioner's office coming out and saying, here's what you're doing, play or don't. That's up to you. But this is what we as baseball are going to do. Um, and, and I think it's worthless. I think a 48 game. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's kind of worthless, but, you know, playing is playing to me. I mean, I don't know that I'll be nearly as invested in watching it, but yeah. they'll still play. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll probably sit down and, and watch the Indians play, and, you know, I'll, I'll get into it, but still. It, it's, the biggest thing, though, to me at this point, 
they can't undo the detriment they've caused the game. They can't. There is no way to avoid it. You could come back tomorrow and play 100 games, and people are still going to hate you for all this rhetoric that's been going on in the public. Yeah. Final item tonight, kind of a rehash of what we went over last week was Kevin Euclid. And, and um, you know, Blake, I, before we went on the air, we kind of touched a little a little on this. Euclid would like the University of Cincinnati State Baseball Stadium to drop the name Mark Shot Stadium. Uh, because of her racist views in the past. And what came out over the weekend was Kevin Euclid saying that he had problems with Boston Red Sox fans when he played for the Red Sox and how racist they were and how he, he went to nose to nose with a few of them. Blake, to me, this sparks of hypocrisy on Euclid's part. Yes, he can stand up and he can, he can say, that they should take Shot's name off of the University of Cincinnati Stadium, and and he can scream that to the top of his lungs, and he's got the right to do that because he's got no money invested in this situation. But when he's got money invested in it, he didn't have the guts to walk away from his Red Sox contract and walk away from the Red Sox when he knew that there were fans out there that were screaming racist terms and were being racist at Fenway Park, and he didn't have the guts to walk away from it. I just look at this as being Euclid being hypocritical. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that, other than if he said he actually stood up for those people. Um, And, I mean, the comment is there was one incident where a fan came running down and was being extra harsh towards one of our black players. And I just got fed up, stood up, and told him to shut the F up if he doesn't like it to get out of here. Um, But in reality, is that enough in that moment? Probably not. Uh, I just – it's just a really tough thing to even talk about. I mean, I would agree with you that – it's really easy to say shit now. Um, it's really easy to have those opinions now when it's at the forefront of everybody's mind. Like I said during the la- last Monday show about the kids from the University of Cincinnati, it's it's really easy to stand up when you've got the whole world backing you up. It's really difficult to stand up when you're the only one. And Kevin Euclid, obviously, based on this story, had an opportunity to be the only one. And he kind of took it, but not to the extent that he should have. Um, and now he talks about it as, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know. It's almost like he's trying to use this moment and this stuff to reinvigorate his image. Um, I mean, outside of the UC baseball game last year in the College World Series at Oregon State, you haven't heard from Kevin Euclid since he retired, and now he's all over the news. Yeah. Um, it's just I, I don't like people that take advantage of situations, and I'm not saying that he is or hasn't done that. Um, well, because part- in, in his in his comment, it seems that he is kind of gracious, like he's gracious towards the University of Cincinnati, um, even though he's calling for the change. He, he talks about him being himself being Jewish, which I didn't even know Kevin Euclid was Jewish. I didn't either um, until I, I read part of that article, and it said that um, his father is extremely uh, – really follows the Jewish faith to a T. And when they approached Kevin Euclid about possibly his name being put on the field, 
Kevin Euclid's field at March Shot Stadium, his father said he would never allow his name to be placed in conjunction with an anti-Semitic as March Shot. Which, in, in reality, he has every right to make that decision. And it's right. maybe for the best for him. And that's, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of applaud his father for saying that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just find this Blake to be, but it, it didn't stop him from letting his kid play on Marsh shot field. No, it didn't. You're at, you're absolutely correct. And like I said last week, there are a lot of minority players that have benefited at the university of Cincinnati upon the mistakes and the outright, and I mean, we could say it now, the outright racism that Marge Schott showed, and they can turn something bad into something good, which is what they have done, but now it appears they're trying to turn something good and make something bad out of it. Nonetheless, that's the way it looks at what's happening at the University of Cincinnati Stadium in regards to the Marge Schott donation. That's going to do it for this Monday night. Boy, it's been another situation where we don't know if Major League Baseball is going to come back, but I guess we'll see if it is going to happen coming up next Monday night on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody, and thanks for joining us tonight. Until next Monday night at 7 o'clock. See you, everybody.